Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to another exciting episode of XS Gaming Podcast. We're recording this on the 29th of August. I'm one of your hosts, Andrew Scullion, and joined with me is the Detangler, my wonderful co-host, Mr. James Grusom. What's up, James? Yeah, I tell you guys what, greetings and salutations. Does pay being, uh, you know, just a gamer, untangling all those controllers, cords, and wires, because we just had a huge situation from when I usually use my normal headset or earbuds to me forgetting them at work and then i had my old pair which apparently got the uh, microphone ripped off and then i had an older <laughs> pair that i don't know what that was doing then i had a pair of just uh, uh you know the iphone earbuds that were trying that had some kind of static and now i'm just on the speaker of the phone and uh that was just uh that was pretty crucial but here we are <laughs> we August made it is almost over with fall is on the way got to get through september it's hot as hell right here. It's supposed to be like 97 mm-hmm. today. Yeah. It's it's, yeah, it's it's been so freaking hot. Like I uh I stepped outside for a smoke earlier and I was just like, "Oh god." Like I thought I I mean, I thought it was going to start cooling down, but man, I I think I just I called it too soon. It's it's way too hot outside. Yeah, it was this day I was telling a friend of mine yesterday cuz he told me he needed to go mow his grass and I'm like, "Yeah, he was like, you better do it today cuz it was going to be like 93 yesterday. I'm like, it's gonna be like 97 tomorrow." And even in the low 90s, the heat index is like mm-hmm. still like over 100. So it's just, uh. but uh, I had this situation recently at work where uh, they sent me home for a month. And uh, I'm not sick or anything like that. Um, I don't have the COVID. Um, I just work too damn much. Uh, throughout all the pandemic stuff, I, I had many six day a week, you know, 10, 12 hour days lots of time and we have a thing in our contract where we can't work over a certain amount of hours like 2,240 hours and I think something else got messed up on my time they confused me two people explained it to me postmaster and a supervisor and I don't know at the end I just got like well I just have to sit at home I was like what do I do like well you just sit at home (laughs) and get paid but here's the thing I mean I go into work for five minutes a day that's the deal like I have to go in for five minutes um I can use leave I think like if I want to go out of town and don't want to go in but typical mm-hmm. days I'm going for five minutes, which I'd like to do anyway to, you know, just make sure things are running smooth. Because I'm, I, I've only been off for like a week, like at the most, maybe nine days when I had a, a eye surgery. So it's just, it's very weird to, you know, be away from your job. And I understand yeah. that would be a dream to many people to like work five minutes and get paid, you know, eight and a half hours. But you know, no, nah, it's just, I'm just so used to working. That's just what I do. Mm-hmm. I get my route. People count on me. So it's, it's going to be weird. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to try to enjoy it and use the time to uh, do things I'm either too lazy or uh, don't have the time to do normally. So, you know. yeah, it's like, it's like those things too. And I think a lot of people that are listening who, you know, work full time and, and, and definitely understand that, you know, uh, when you have such a, a long period of time off work, like you, you definitely want to keep an eye out on things because when you come back, you don't want to see things go like completely right. like like to hell. But where have I been for the last month? This is madness, you know. So you you kind of want to keep in touch in the now and see what's going on, so you know when you get back into the full throttle and full things of uh, going that it's it's going well. You know? Exactly, because my customers, they're so used to me. I've been on my route, you know, for over 10 years. And, like, if I'm off two days, they literally think I'm on, like, a week vacation. And I didn't even get to tell, like, any of them. Because they told me about this situation in the morning, but I kind of thought, 
that's eh, not gonna happen. I'm like, I'll be able to work a day or two a week at least, but no, no, I wasn't. So, uh, yeah, it kind of sent me down, but I want to be able to make sure because, you know, hey, do you work at the post office? There's forwards, there's hold mails, there's packages and letters with wrong numbers that somebody else is not gonna know, but I yeah. do. You know, and that's why I said, like, I'll be able to go in at least for a little bit a day. And uh, I think they have the one, uh, one of the same uh, fill ins that's going to be on my route mostly. So hopefully I can get her like up to speed and, uh, you know, get everything taken care of as much as it needs to be. But it's still just kind of like, damn, like this is just it's, it's just weird. OK, it's, just, <laughs> to me, it's, just, it's completely weird. I get to stay at home for a month. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, going going into gaming, uh, you know, because there hasn't really been a whole lot of gaming news going on. And let, let me get into this a little bit because I, I I'm lying when I say there's not a whole lot of gaming news going on. There's always gaming news. There's always things going on. But you know, one of the things that I always try to focus with our podcast is you know we we try to be a very positive podcast. We try to be a, a show that people like to listen to. I mean, matter of fact, I know there's plenty of listeners that have messaged me in the past that were like, you know, I love it when a new episode's up. Uh, I know we don't get they put out as many episodes as we would like, but, you know, they always love it when we do put out an episode because, you know, it helps their commute to work. It helps them, you know, when they're having a, a tough day. They're like, oh, wow, another episode of Excess Gaming's up, and they listen to it. So uh, one of the things I was, I was sitting there trying to go through the, the news feed before the show and trying to find some uh, good articles to talk about, and, I, I man, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but... The news have just been, it's been so negative, like so negative, like there's, and even like the positive stuff that's happening in gaming, like, you know, like all this new games coming out, God forbid you go through the comments section, because there's always someone complaining about it, and it's just like, you know, I think people forget sometimes that this is video games, this is, this is something that's supposed to be fun, it's supposed to be a hobby, something you're supposed to enjoy doing, and you know, it's just like a game will come out. And it's just like, oh, wow, a, a new Metroid's coming out. And someone's like, oh, I don't want to pay the whole $60 for that Metroid game. That's not worth $60. And then uh, uh, it just, it's so terrible. So I had, I had quite a time going through the, the news that was going on and trying to find something that we could converse and talk about in regards to gaming news for the podcast. Because, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of a shit show, to be honest. You, you gotta t you gotta try to find the good sometimes because like mm -hmm. really in our, our real life you know the the real life which I mean you know gaming is a big part of life for many people which is fine but there's so much bad things going on that it's like ah you know we don't really need to project that into the gaming world also you gotta try to pick out the good and pick the good spots and try to enjoy those in the you know otherwise misery of life i think yeah and i, I think i think a lot of it too and you know this is some of my advice to some people because i think the internet has painted this narrative that going against the grain or or disagreeing with something or not being a part of the norm makes you like an automatic like intellectual like a, a smarter person when that's not necessarily always the case you know like i i've i've been subjected to it in the past i've been a victim of it if like something would come out and i'd be like just very pessimistic but pessimism doesn't make you sound intelligent it just makes you sound like a miserable person after a while yeah and, and plus too if you're gonna do that you can't label it as, as pessimistic you'll be like i'm a realist i'm not negative you know that's always my line you yeah know, but usually like yes yeah, sometimes i'm negative but i 
do try to find those bright spots of uh, you know certain things that are going on. Because yeah, like I said, you just have to don't like don't let misery consume you. Mm-hmm. Try try to find those bright spots because they really are out there. Indeed, indeed, and you know, <laughs> I think that the the biggest piece of gaming news that's been going on that I've I've kind of semi followed about, and I've been looking at, it, and a lot of it uh, kind of goes into and segues to the main topic of this episode is you know the whole like water grading retro games. Now this isn't anything new. Uh, games have been getting graded by WADA, the the WADA scale for for a couple of years now. But you know, uh, you know, some of these games have been going for over millions of dollars now, which is unheard of. Uh, especially a uh, copy of Super Mario sixty four, I think I believe uh, Super Mario uh, Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda. You know, a lot of very common games, but they're like sealed and just graded very high and have sold for millions of dollars. And now people are starting to find out that uh, it, it it's kind of shady. There's some shady stuff going with like. The Heritage Group and WADA and you know inflation and 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 false uh, profits and stuff like that, and it's it's it, honestly above all, it's kind of sad. It's it's really really sad that you know something like this, this like retro gaming hobby, has become such a uh, a money thing. It's all it's always been kind of a money thing. We'll definitely get into that. It's always been a money thing. But not to this degree. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Like I said, it, it, it can be a, a you know just a money and a you know status at lots of times. But at the heart of it, I like to think that most of the people that collect, like you know, they're just it, it's for the love of it. Yeah, you know? it's like they want these. Lots of them wouldn't sell their stuff no matter what you gave them. You know, it's like they're mm-hmm. just they're really doing it for the sake of the hobby for themselves and what they enjoy. But, you know, some of that joy can always get taken away by, you know, when you have these weird situations, money gets thrown out. Um, then you get your normal everyday Joe who, you know, doesn't really know the deal. They, they hadn't been involved for this for years, and they're just like, money. A lot of people see dollar signs that, mm-hmm. like I said, their heart's not in it. And those dollar signs take over, and those dollar signs can affect other people's prices. And at the end, it's just like a big avalanche down on people, you know, that just kind of messes everything up. It really does, and you know, uh, and then you get some people that just, you know, they it's like they woke up one morning and they're like, you know what, I, I like those old video games. I I wonder how much they go for now. I had I had a friend of mine. Uh, she she actually messaged me like first thing in the morning. She's like, hey, I've been wanting to play some N sixty four. Do you know anywhere I can find some N sixty four games that are not too expensive? Of course, I had to break it down to her. I'm like, listen, N sixty four games are getting pretty expensive right now. But of course, you know. She didn't really know any better. She didn't really know. So I was like, you know, have you thought about, you know, possibly some N64 emulation, you know? And uh, I was giving her some uh, pointers, you know, with because recently I got NVIDIA Shield. Does N64 great? And I'm like, you know, listen, you know, this NVIDIA Shield, you can order one on Amazon for like around 150 to 200 bucks. That may sound like a, a, a very a big thing to swallow, but, uh, you know, you can get the whole N64 library on it and play it on on your hd television and in the long run you'll save money she's like oh wow she had no idea and you know i and i think that's the thing too i think that's the the great thing about retro gaming is uh people going back and reliving their childhood and that's that's been the biggest the biggest thing that happened with retro gaming uh 
for the longest time until you know it got to the point where like you said earlier it became a for some people it was a status uh some people think it's an investment you know they think they're yeah. gonna they think that these games are gonna help them retire and you know of course seeing stuff on the water scale and, and you know seeing a game sell for two million dollars this is what i hated about when um when mario 64 sold for for over a million dollars what i hated about it was wasn't the fact that someone made a million dollars off of Mario 64. What I hated about it was the people who don't really know about retro collecting and they see an N64 game sell for that much. That's super common. Like Super Mario 64 is a super common game. Now to have a high graded Super Mario 64 with it being so common, I mean that makes a lot of sense because that game is so common that it's very rare that you would find one in the box, still sealed, like it's never been touched since 1995. That's very and, and rare. And being Nintendo, many yeah. Nintendo games hold a decent amount of value. Yes. Um, they, they keep it up, but not to the million-dollar extent, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but the, the only thing that I was worried about was I would see like I'm like oh my god someone's going to see that this game sold for a million dollars and they're going to think that you know their whole shoebox of Atari twenty six hundred games are worth like at least a quarter of that. Yeah, that's, that's that avalanche <laughs> effect. Like I said, like and that will like the more people you got trying to sell something for hire in turn, I think can affect other people, and then it just you know just it just comes down and, the, and you got the people that are in it for the money and the people that are in it for the the love and the hobby and it just all kind of just crashes like a big you know collision on the highway now i'm gonna I'm, uh, james let me ask you real quick and i think you know it's funny we've done this podcast for for so long and we've talked about collecting and just about every episode we talk about some form of collecting. But I don't think I've ever asked you this, James. Like, what made you start wanting to collect retro video games? Yeah, and I will say beforehand that, you know, yeah, a lot of people from since we started where we were a little bit more the, uh, I'd say we were both more like semi-hardcore uh, collectors, mm -hmm. you know, you know, really into it for the, for the love of it. And I think a lot of people of the years have seen us both jump to you know selling things in our collection and you know going emulation route going digital route on some things and mm -hmm. you know it's just a progression um you know i'm sure like the biggest time i can remember for me really was around like 2006 and like, i was even thinking about this earlier today i was like like what system did i start collected for you know i'd always have the modern system and you know i'd get just like i'd get games but at some point like we jumped back i think me and my brother ej like he was the one Lots of times I always was the more hardcore collector between the both of us. Um, and I remember the one year, like, he'd got me a, a Genesis for Christmas. And that kind of kicked off my Genesis thing. And then, uh, you know, Rob Luther from the Retro Junkies, I remember he sent me a Nintendo. And, like, mm -hmm. I had not had a Nintendo in a while. And, like, that kind of kicked off, you know, getting Nintendo stuff. And it's like, I was really trying to pinpoint the year and I mean, it could have been a little bit beforehand, somewhere around, but I want to say like 2006. Um, even before then, of course, there was, you know, many great prices. A lot of places were just giving away these games. And even in 06, uh, you know, for me, the, as far as the Genesis, how I got so much of my Genesis collection was this store cash converters that would literally have a tub of Genesis cards. Oh, for I miss, 50 I miss cash converters. I haven't been to, I haven't been there in years. Yeah. I think we still have one and we actually still have one here in town. We used to have like three or four. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do think there's one I've, I've not, you know, with everything going on, you never know. Sometimes some stores are open, some aren't, 
uh, you know, more things are now, but that dude, that tub, like we'd go there every week, just dig through this tub. I mean, I'd find, you know, I had the, the, uh, shit, the hyperstone heist. I mean, the label was completely torn to shreds, but 50 cent. I mean, I guarantee yeah. you, I could still probably sell that thing for way more than 50 cent. Oh yeah. Um, and then if they had the case and the instruction manual, they were maybe $3 at the absolute most oh, five, but I think most were three. Dude, that's where every Genesis game has. <laughs> I have a, is it, is it, it's one of the Turrican games that's going for like 150 bucks or some shit. And mm-hmm. that I literally had the cash converters price tag on it for two ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know, and for me, for me with collecting, I think it always it always stemmed from just not having a whole lot of money, you know, because I would always hold on to my consoles, and there would be times that I would like trade the games I had in. I think all of us did this when we were younger, you yeah, know, trade. Yeah, tra- yeah, you had trade in some games to get the new games. So I mean, like, it got to the point where you know I still had a I had like a bookshelf. I still have this bookshelf today. Actually, it's a bookshelf that's been passed on in my family. But I would have this bookshelf in my bedroom, and it would always have like a, a a couple of video games on it. And it got to the point where uh, one day uh, when when they opened up Funko Land, when Funko Land came to Wilmington, and I remember going in there, and Funko Land was like such a great place. Because you'd go in there and they would have all these CRTs hooked up and they would have all these various consoles and various games. The weird thing is that I always thought was really weird about Funko Land, at least mine that I went to, was there were no prices on the games. You had to grab a newspaper. and Oh, yeah, their little price guide. And you would go through a newspaper and you would find the game and you'd find the price. And it, it almost was, it was very fun because it made, it made that, I feel like this was like the 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 taste of the hunt you know that we would experience later on that i'll get into uh because you would find the you would find the game you go scroll down find the price and you would buy the game sometimes they let you test the game out before you buy it because they had the consoles hooked up and it got to the point where i was just like you know i would have forty dollars and i'm like you know what do i want to do i want to take this forty dollars and buy like one playstation one game or buy a, a a cheaper ps2 game that's been out for a couple of months do i buy this or do i use that forty dollars and buy a bunch of nes games or super nintendo games or sega genesis games you know, because I still had those consoles, and I and I knew, you know, there's still games today that are retro that I've still have never played. There, I'm still finding games today, 30 years later. I'm still finding titles. You know, the Super Nintendo actually just turned, I believe, uh, uh, we just had the anniversary just a couple a couple of days ago for the Super Nintendo. You know, it's been out since what 92, 93. I mean, I have to bring up. I literally because I have a couple, um, you know, game stores and game pages on my on my Facebook. It's not like completely overloaded, like some might would think. Like it's nothing but games. Like, but no, there was one, and they had a picture of a Super Famicom game. I believe it was called Battle Pinball, mm-hmm. and I was like, I've never heard of this. I was like, Oh God! I'm like, I gotta find this on like one of my pies because I'm like, I love pinball, and I'm like, it looked like. You know, it's like you had to attack people, you know, like with the ball on the, you know, like like the course, uh, you know, or the, the field or screen. And it just I was like, man, that looks insane because you're right. There's so many games out there. We've, you know, you, you just overlook sometimes and miss. And yet there they are. They're still out there. Yeah, because I mean, back then, I mean, unless it was in unless it was in a video game magazine or unless you found it as a, a blind rental at like a blockbuster or Hollywood video or something like that. Um, 
And chances are you didn't know about it unless your friend had it. Because, uh, I mean, there was, <laughs> there was no way of finding out of every single game that was coming out. It's not like how it is now. Now, you know, we have games that come out freaking daily that we all know about because we see it pop up on Twitter. We see it pop up on social media or YouTube. We see a YouTuber do a review of it or something. So yeah, I mean, We didn't even have release dates many times no. back in the day. You had to call Toys R Us or you know mm-hmm. your game store every day to see if this game came out because there wasn't even solid release. It, it might be a month, you know, like coming this October. So you call every day, then you don't know when the shipment's going to come in. And some stores, some stores had games that other stores didn't have. They you get know? shipments early, dude. That happened with me. Mortal Kombat 2 on the Super NES, KB Toys uh, at the mall here in town, actually, they got it sooner than any other store. And there wasn't like this this block on you know release dates. If the store got it, they could sell it back then. Yeah. And that KB, they got Mortal Kombat, you know, like two days or so before it was supposed to even come out. And yet they would sell it. And it did cost like fucking... Seventy four ninety nine after tax, I think. Um, but damn, it was worth it back then. I, I still, you know, one one of the weirdest things I think about because I think about you know old old video game stores, but then I also think about stores that sold video games like out of nowhere. And I think one of the funniest things that I have is, uh, you know, back in uh, I used to go to Win Dixie, which Win Dixie's still a thing. Did you I know used that? to work at Win Dixie. <laughs> I, I I didn't realize this until a couple of weeks ago. And I meant to message you this, James. That a couple of weeks ago at my job, I got a call and it was someone who worked at a Win Dixie. And I'm like, oh, we still have Win Dixie? Like, we, I haven't been to Win Dixie in yeah, years. Yeah, we don't have them around here. I mean, we used to have yeah. three or four. Like I said, I worked there for about a year, uh, stocking shelves at night. It was just one. We had Win Dixie, Food Line, Harris Teeter. That yeah. was like our grocery stores. But, you know, I went to Win Dixie and, you know, I, I did what every other kid do. Uh, your mom was shopping. I'd go to the book section, read magazines. Well, they have great ramen and soda, too. I will say that this Ooh. is a soda selection, and they have a French onion ramen that it, and a hot and spicy that's really good if they still have this. Thrifty made <laughs> brand. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I went to the magazines, and I remember they had like a little glass case, like a little, you know, kiosk. And it would always have video games. And I remember uh, just walking over there and, like, when Dixie would be selling, like, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. That's still something that, like, sticks in my mind is back in the day, going to Winn-Dixie, reading, you know, GamePro magazines and seeing a copy of uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night behind the glass for, like, $12. Wow. <laughs> Some of those ones like that. I mean, even to me, like, the far more, like, renting games was always weird. But one of the things for us, and even, you know, back around the 06 era I was talking about, um, Roses, which is oh, a store yes. here, there's many locations, and they had this weird air in the electronics section. Of course, they're still selling, you know, cassette boom boxes and, and, and the sort. And there was this little rack of, like, Super NES games that, I'm like, it seemed like they might have been used. I don't really know how they got there, where they came from. I remember buying one of the, I want to say, I think I got like Brawl Brothers uh, mm-hmm. that's in, the, um, in the fighting, uh, fighting beat or the, uh, uh, like, and they came in, and they came in the weird cardboard boxes. Well, these actually, all the ones they were selling actually had, um, the boxes. If I remember right, most <sighs> of these actually had the original box. Yeah. I've seen those at Roses. I remember buying a copy of, uh, Super WrestleMania at Roses and it was still in the box. And this I mean and this was back in like ninety 
eight ninety seven. So it was it, it was it was way too too long that that game should not have been complete and box right. sealed. <laughs> it's like we got in the back of the store. I found some uh, for actually uh, uh, Sharpie from the Villians and and Riot stickers. Uh, he'd come into town one time. And he gave me a call, and he's like, dude, he's like, me and Bones are just over at, at Rose's, and they had these Universal Monster Masks. Okay, now this is, let's see, we met after our, because uh, they played at my wedding. So this would have been after 08. Okay, there was Universal Monster Masks, just like little, you know, but not plastic, they were rubber, but just, you know, with the string of Creature from the Black Lagoon from, like, 1999 that they put out on the shelf probably 10 to 11 years later. And they were either still there or they found them in the back. So that, like, that's what you're dealing with this place. But I think that's really awesome, you know? Yeah, yeah. Ro- Roses, Roses is like a time machine. Remember, I mean, a matter of fact, when you mentioned them selling boomboxes, um, I think I mentioned it in the last episode. I bought a brand new, a brand new uh, boombox that has a cassette player because I've been listening to cassette tapes, and I bought it like brand new for forty dollars, like still in the box, just brand spanking new cassette player. <laughs> that's just i mean that's always great i mean it's like people still always have like cassettes a lot of people you know speaking of collecting a lot of people collect music cassettes now i mean it's crazy yeah. some bands i see it with a lot of like death metal bands from one friend of mine they release stuff out on cassette uh one of my friends has a band called mumula a very cool kind of like a surf rock horror band and they released one of their albums on uh cassette just as like a little extra bonus of course you can get the you know usually if you get a cassette of course the download comes with it too so you know you you can always listen to that but just you know to have that it's just very weird you know how, how much we still always do bring things from the past you know it like back in cassettes like really who would have thought like like cassettes would be a thing now i mean yeah even me as much like old crap as i have I'm like cassettes like what the hell but no they're they're around <laughs> yeah it's it is so crazy how things just go back and you know and, and that's that's the thing about you know the retro collecting and and you know a lot of people talk about the the bubble like when's the bubble going to pop and the thing is is like you know because here we are now in 2021 if if you were to go back to you know 2006 2007 you know uh, heck, even when we first started the uh, the podcast back in 2012, you know, retro collecting was in a, a totally different place than it is now. What I've noticed about retro collecting is it's it's very it's it's kind of like the weather; it changes and it's unpredictable. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because you know. You look back, and you know when we started this podcast back in 2012. I remember like the Super Nintendo games were getting really expensive, like Super Nintendo. I mean, and they're still expensive, but I mean, you were getting, you were getting games like very, very expensive back then. And why? Because you know back then in 2012, the people who grew up with the Super Nintendo were starting to get in their mid 20s, you know, maybe early 30s, and they had expendable income, and they were buying their childhood at that point. Where, you know, now here we are in 2021, and it's crazy to think, but the people that are in their 20s, you know, early 30s, they grew up with the N64, even the GameCube. And now we're starting to see those games really go high in value. And the thing is, I don't think we'll actually have like this like crazy bubble that people talk about. I don't think we had the bubble that pops. I feel like the bubble just 
moves on to another era of uh, people and nostalgia because nostalgia ultimately is what keeps retro gaming where it's at. Yeah, and, and while some will drop and lower, you know, they'll hit those peaks, some still won't, you know, drop down super cheap. They're still going to, you know, keep some at level. But, you know, I was looking at, you know, some GameCube games recently too and, you know, noticing it's like, yep, it's like those are going up. They say uh, it's the same thing with, like, wrestling. They said wrestling is being very cyclical. And that's kind of like game collecting. Like, it's very cyclical. It's like it doesn't go in cycles, and especially, I think, for game collecting like more like you know decade cycles age group cycles Mm -hmm. what you grew up with cycles and that is is that thing you had as a kid that maybe you sold maybe it's an attic you don't know where it went it's there but it's like damn i love that and like i said if you got a little bit more um, disposable income you're older you're working steady and you want to get those back and then that's when you go out there and start looking. And hopefully you catch it before everybody else decides the same thing and you get a little bit better price. Yeah, and I, and I think I think also another th- uh, topic that I would love to bring up is too is um, I think some people get – and there's nothing wrong with it. I, I want to have a disclaimer here. There's nothing wrong with it. But I think some people get really caught up in the hunt. They get caught up into the finding games. And that's that's caused some pretty problematic things for some of the people that you know still quote unquote collect. I've, I have you know I have a friend of mine on Facebook. This guy he changes his uh, his stance on collecting like freaking underwear. Like one day he's like, oh man, you know I'm not collecting anymore. I'm tired of collecting. I'm just no longer going to do this. This is stupid. And then before you know it, he posts. You know, a couple of weeks later, he he's like, oh look at all these games I found in the pawn shop for like three bucks. You know, and I'm like, dude, I was like, I really think it's so much. It's not so much at the collecting as much as you like the thrill of the hunt. And see, that's another thing, and that's one of the things that I feel like that gives a whole nother meaning to retro collecting it's not so much just like buying old games but that bonding of going out with your friends or even if you're you know going solo going to thrift stores going to yard sales going to these places and finding these like hidden nuggets of treasure of your past there's something about that like that sends off endorphins or something inside someone's head that makes them want to uh do this you know yeah, it really is. It's like the uh, you know motorhead said, the, the chase is always better than the catch. Yep. Not always, but a lot of times. But yes, definitely. Like I said, I still sit back and think of me and EJ sitting on the floor in cash converters, digging through these giant plastic tubs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, that'd be so fun. I used and, like, to, yes, I used to go to this place that was called, uh, it was called Sweets, okay? And it was like sweets was like a junk shop. It was like Is this old S W E E T S or like S U I T E S. I I cannot remember. Okay. <laughs> I just know I just know it was old. I was owned by this old man, and it was like a house that got turned into a thrift store. Oh and it wow! Was, oh, okay. Yeah, and it was just like it was. It looked like if you were just going in there and you weren't a thrifty kind of person, you weren't the kind of person who liked to go to thrift stores or yard sales and stuff. You're like, Oh, this looks like a freaking hoarder's house. But for us, we're like, Oh my God, this is like a treasure hunt because you're just, you're sitting there, you know, knocking over piles of like, you know, printers that were made in 95 and you're finding like a big case full of Sega Genesis games. (laughs) And it was awesome. Cause then you go over to the guy and you're just like, how would you want for these Sega Genesis games? He's like, I don't know, like three bucks a piece. You're like, all right. You're good. <laughs> Take them all for a fiver. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it was like, and I think that's what it is. I think, you know, some people, they get that taste of it. 
of, of you know finding the games of their past and finding them cheap and you know then they just they want to keep doing it but the problem is it is so popular now i mean i remember you know when we started a podcast in 2012 you know i remember you know before we started a podcast, you know, me and Mikey, you know, Rick Graham, we would go to Fayetteville and play shows. We'd hang out with you and uh, Liz and, you know, everyone over there at the rock shop. And then, you know, later on, me and Devin would go to, um, you know, Edward McKay's or something like that. And I remember back then I'd go to Edward McKay's and like there'd be no one looking at the old video games. And then it was like a couple of years later, I just noticed it was a huge population of people looking at old video games. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they, no, they found they out. They did get more. And I, I will say, too, I, I thought Edward McKay still, uh, for as much as the collecting market that was going on, I still thought they were pretty fair. They and were. it was really cool, too, because there was a dude there that knew I was in the games. And he would even show me stuff. I, mean, I didn't get deals or anything like that. I'll be clear because uh, it was a store and they had stuff priced a certain way. But he would let me see stuff before it went out on the shelf lots of times and I would have a chance, you know, to get. And sometimes they would have things, like lots of times if you had a, more obscure uh, titles, like there was one I got, like, he was like, yeah, we couldn't even really find like a like a, a correct price on like this one, you know. There, there would be some odd things because it just it wasn't at the pinnacle yet. But, you know, I would get to see these and pick out stuff. Uh, before anybody else got to see him, just because I was a regular, and damn, dude, I I miss that place. I see because I drive past the building. There's like a flooring place there now. Oh um, wow! I drive past it every day going home from work because that's where I would always usually, you know, you just bored like, hey man, let me just see what they got. I might get some CDs, some games. They start mm-hmm. having some toys, yeah, you know, movies. Oh man, anything. I I miss that place so much, dude. It's one of my favorite stores. In- yeah. yeah, if I was ever in the Fayetteville area or uh, like the Raleigh Triangle area, like Edward McKay's. They, and I want to say, I, I'm not completely sure. I'll have to check on this and update next episode. But I want to say they still do have a location maybe up around Raleigh or somewhere. Oh. Um, and like I said, it, was a, you know, it wasn't a chain. It was, it was local to North Carolina and just around a few areas. And like I said, I think there is one. Still up there, but I'm not positive. Oh, I would love to go if they if it was still there. I bet it, more of it's the one still on Capitol Boulevard. That might be. I, I think that's the one I'm 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 thinking of if it, if it still is there because apparently I seem to hear the one around here. I don't think there was some issues with one of the employees that was. I kind of heard some things. I don't know if so, like you know people were just kind of uh, like embezzling stuff. So, so something happened, man. It sounded kind of corrupt and just kind of bad sad you know uh, ended up like that it was like wow because you know we went from you know move ahead one of older location to the main one and they used to even have a separate like college bookstore um where they had a couple different locations even here in town then they kind of consolidated the one and that became the main one it was still yeah, you could find good stuff there uh i still regret not buying that damn uh gargles quest on uh oh yeah nes man uh, I remember you mentioning that. Price. I remember that. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I I still I asked I have a, a a couple of games in the past that I regret not buying. Uh, that I think about. I mean, I've, I've I remember seeing uh you know Dracula X on the Super Nintendo. I remember seeing that for back in the day when it was like thirty dollars. I'm like, oh man, that's too much. Hey, this is funny right here, right next to me right now. I have a Game Boy game that has the Edward McKay price tag sticker on because oh, I also great. left my price tag stickers on. I, I just I wasn't one of those like I gotta peel these off. I, I like the memory of me the too. sticker and what I paid. 
And uh, here we go. This here's Yoshi on Game Boy for four dollars. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I know there are some people that like try to get the stickers off of everything, but I mean, unless it's like unless it's like plastered with stickers. Like I don't want to get something that's like it looks like it's, but then again, that's also kind of nostalgic too. Be like, hey, this game that I got had like you know six or seven price drops before I decided to buy it or before I found it in the wild. But credit too to Eddie McKay because their uh, price stickers came off easier than oh it yeah, wasn't like them damn cash converter stickers. Okay, now those were brutal, but Eddie McKay had these little tiny orange stickers. I probably got, I'll post one up on the excess page later on. And uh, it's just they, they peeled off so good. They didn't leave a gross residue. Uh, they were really now these probably would leave a gross residue now if I tried to peel it off. I'm thinking, but uh, you know, <laughs> 10 years yeah, the ago, worst, okay. <laughs> the worst, the worst stickers that I can remember from my from my memory. Uh, that's like major retail. The worst sticker was were back when uh, before GameStop bought out EB. Like, like the electronic boutique price stickers were horrible they were big and i remember they were big and yellow oh and yeah. oh man you'd like peel it off and it would just be this remnant of like just this nasty circle that would be <laughs> on your game case and you're just like where's the goo gone <laughs> just never go away <laughs> yeah i remember that but but yeah i do like to keep the stickers on because yeah that's 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 another part of memory especially if it's like old uh like an old video rental store that's not open anymore Oh, dude, those those are great, and I enjoy uh, receipts also. Like, in yes. the, especially Genesis cases are notorious for having receipts in the instruction booklet and stuff. And you'll find them where you saw somebody like what date they like. I mean, that's so interesting. Like the date they bought it on. It's mm -hmm. like it's, it's really like a like a trip back in time to see this. It's like I always, especially if there's a receipt, man. That that always stays like in the case like it's, it's staying with it especially if it's a receipt for places that aren't around anymore be like oh my god they bought this copy of alter beast from radio shack dude just that in the cities <laughs> and states and like you never know because i'm in a military town so yeah just all this stuff comes in that was probably another good reason too is is having that transient town people come in GIs mad some old stuff and they're like, dude, I'd rather go out and drink some beer. Hey, I'm not faulting you, dude. You know, hey, if I get, you know, I might get your old games. They're going to a good home, and uh, <laughs> so you'll end up with this, this big conglomerate of people from all over the U.S. that end up here in this one city, and it's like that's how like you just, you never know what you might find. It's like it's pretty amazing. So, so James, would you would you say that that's uh, probably like one of the biggest uh, things about retro collecting is it's just it, it's more than just the video games because the more we talk about, it, the more we're like talking about everything but the actual video game itself. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean it really is. Like I said, it's, it's those good times, like you said, with friends. It's that excitement. You mentioned me, you know, endorphins are like, oh man, like what? Because like, we haven't, find, yeah, we haven't. You hit. You might have found a game that. You couldn't afford right then that moment, and maybe you like stuck it behind some, you know, old VC Andrews <laughs> books or something like that. And you're like, you're going back, is it still there? Like, is that, you know, it was so fun. Yeah, because uh, we've, we've sat here and talked about collecting, but we haven't talked about one actual game this whole episode. You know, like we haven't been like, oh, you know, I really like the graphics. You know, the, the music's really good. I really like the, the way you fire things. It's like, no, no. It's just like there's something more to the collecting than just the games itself. The the games is like the, the cherry on the top. But it's like it's, it's, it's hanging out with your friends. It's the nostalgia. It's going trips, back in the time machine. Too. Oh, road you know, trips. Like said, yes. 
you you know you and Dev and Mike, whether you're playing a show or you're just going for the fun of it, going to another town and you know seeing what what they have, you know, and the ride in the car, you know, with oh my your gosh. And stuff. I remember when I bought that a huge Sega Genesis lot from you when we played that show at the Rock Shop. Remember yeah. that? And it was it was Blitzkid's last show at that time in North Carolina. And we were opening for him, and I remember uh, you and I had already we had already been talking on the uh, on, on like Facebook, and I think this is even before we really started the podcast. But we were talking on Facebook 20, about twenty uh, eleven was uh, Blitzkid's last show here. No, yeah. wait, was it twenty twelve? It was uh, no, 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 no. I think it was twenty eleven. I got a poster in my fridge still, but it was eleven or twelve. But I do think it was it was definitely before we started this. I yeah. Think. I think it was before the podcast. I remember we worked it out. I remember, like, man, I got so many Genesis games, and like, I remember, I remember you know, Mikey. I can say that show was in July. I do know that, and I think we kind of started the podcast around September, October. That's yep. I think that's the timeline. <laughs> because because I remember I got I got all those games, and let me tell you guys, when I say I got a lot of games, I mean I got a lot of games. I got so many games that like. I told Mikey and I told uh, Devin. Devin had just joined the band at the time. I remember telling them on our way to Fayetteville, being like, "Yo, I'm about to get a a, a huge, huge uh, Sega Genesis uh, stuff from uh, James." And they're like, "Oh, that's cool. That's cool," you know. And then when we started loading everything in our all of our music gear, and then I <laughs> came back with the Sega Genesis. <laughs> Mike's like, "All right, man. Like, where are we gonna put all this?" I'm like. I'll set it on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, and that was, that was great. I remember I was just like so freaking tired. I I worked all the day prior to the show and then I had to go to work the next day. And I remember just like kicking off like four hours of sleep and be like, Oh man, I can't yeah. wait to and get home. Had a good two, you know, probably two hour drive or so, you know, yeah. two here and back after the show, which would end late, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was fun. So, I mean, I, I found, I found so many Genesis games just out of that collection that I never, never knew about. And a lot of those, cause I think those, I mean, you say like from me, the, the connections to me, but a lot of those were uh, EJ stuff. Mm -hmm. And, a lot of those probably were had cash converter stickers, and you know he's one that yep. is, man, he has been in and out of collecting. Like he has so many regrets. I remember when he was in the military and the navy and staying with them, you know, going up there for like a week, and you'd open this drawer and it was nothing but like Dreamcast games. It was like just like well, and at some point, like he sold those. I mean, he's got many things back, and he he still you know collects to where sometimes I even try to. I'm like. I'm like, you, I'm like, you really want to collect Neo Geo games, dude? I'm like, come on, you know, it's everyday people. You can do what you want, but you know, it's like a family member. Sometimes like, I'm like, dude, you sure you want to, you know, do like, <laughs> I, I gave him my 3DO just because I knew he's into collecting. I gave him the 3DO and I said, dude, you got to promise me, you got to promise me you ain't going to spend a whole bunch of money. And I told his wife too. I said, I told him, man, I said, don't spend a whole bunch of money buying these shitty fucking 3DO games. But I was like, I still want you to have this like it was just i bought it because it was funny <laughs> and uh i did have some fun with it and he even got me a couple of uh you know games for it but i, I just i thought i'd have a better home with him because i was just like um you know like 3do man it was, it was a joke that was why i bought it it was funny at the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean um and then i i think we can because uh, we're getting close to end this show i think one of the well, things I, we... I would throw in one final thing and i don't know if you're going here but is there any really system in particular that you collect for uh on the regular now oh that's a good question uh, i think for me 
is, uh, of course, probably the Switch. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will say I actively collect for the Switch, and the reason why I say that is because the Switch is one of the consoles that I can remember that I, I don't think I've ever done with any other console uh, where I've double-dipped. What I mean by that is I have bought a game digitally and then ended up buying a physical for the Switch just because I wanted to have a physical copy of it. And, and you got to understand, uh, for the folks that are listening, is I'm not the collector I used to be. You know, at the beginning of the podcast, uh, you know, 2012, I, I didn't play digital. I very seldom we got digital. We were pretty anti-digital. Like I said, yeah. a lot of people over the years have seen us change our habits and stuff. You know, they really yeah. have. I, I didn't play digital. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't even not play emulation. I was a straight up. You know, like if I couldn't find the game out in the wild, I would just wait to play it. Eventually, I mean, I never had a, an issue with emulation. Like I never hated emulation. It was just wasn't my thing. I was just like, ah, oh, you know, it just I didn't click with it. But you know, it's like now mostly retro. I I emulate everything retro. And but the the one console that I'm still like, oh, I need to buy a physical copy of this. That still have that remnant of the past is the Nintendo Switch, most mm-hmm. definitely. What about yeah, you? Yeah, that's one for me. I mean, I do still like getting Switch games because uh, well, and actually recently I just got like a really big uh, memory card, uh, which is awesome. I bought because um, you know I had the of course the initial system. I had to buy a memory card when I got La Noir, and then uh, EJ gave me a bigger one, and then I got like a. 400 something i don't know megabyte gigabyte i don't know it's something <laughs> my boy kenneth sold me because he was getting an even bigger one so i bought his card for uh 50 bucks which actually was a great deal and i needed a bigger card because I, I i couldn't i had to start deleting stuff um you know off off my system as far as you know save or you know the games mm-hmm. um so i have that now but lots of times i would uh, for me, laziness can kick in and be like, oh, I get this digital, but then I'm like, oh, I don't have room. So I go buy the cart. So I do like having those. Um, and of course, with Xbox, um, I do pretty much all digital due to game share. Uh, but of course, for me, as many times I brought up Game Boy, uh, Game Boy is the one system you know, I could throw in some, you know, handhelds like my Turbo Graphics. That's a system like I don't think I'd ever get rid of, but it's kind of hard to collect for it this time because it is just it's still so expensive um mm-hmm. i do like having it i still will play my old turbo graphics but game boy for me uh mostly old game boy game boy color anything that's cheap enough i mean hell there was somebody on facebook marketplace it was like an in sync game for like five dollars and i was going huh I'm like is the shipping free i'm like ah no it's not i'm not gonna pay eight dollars for in sync but uh I, I do love collecting game boy games still um, you know, I, uh, earlier on, I'd mentioned, uh, on some past shows, you know, I went through was getting a lot of the wrestling games. I never play. I got the Japanese ones, uh, you know, and the U S ones. Uh, and then I've also got some Japanese lots for like real good prices. Uh, and it's been cool because about three fourths of the game, like you can play, uh, you, you get some of the ones you can't, but to me, they're just, they're small. They look cool. Um, like it's just, it's something I love. You know, so it's like yeah. that's the one. I, that's the only system uh, to me that I, I really consider. I still, you know, collect for, um, and they're kind of indifferent. It's still collecting, but it's like it's still kind of different uh, aspects. You think because the switch is like new, and it's definitely a little bit easier sometimes. You know, to catch those and get that physical release. Whereas the Game Boy ones is like just that, it's that old stuff going through, and they're ones that aside from so, some select games, you know, they're not insane. 
like you can get a lot of good deals i'm mm-hmm. still finding games like i i never played never had like so i was mentioning this yoshi you know from edward mckay i'm like four bucks i'm like was that i don't know to me, like i said i'll buy anything for a dollar or two but uh actually yoshi was a game i honestly i, I really enjoyed that one you know so it was like that's yeah, a good it's a good little puzzle game yeah it really was that was one my nephew had uh when i'd watch him over the summer uh, I'd go up and stay at my sister's, and he had a Game Boy. And, you know, some people have a ton of games. I think had, like, three games or something. And I found this Yoshi. And for many years, I kind of got it confused with, like, Yoshi's Cookies, which are mm-hmm. two different games. But, no, just regular Yoshi on a Game Boy. I'm actually a big, big fan of that. I think four bucks is a great price. But, uh, yeah, I still love it. GBA. And, honestly, even – I've uh, I wouldn't say I'm – as bad as I am with the Game Boy, but um, I really love digging through DS games. And yeah, any DS games I find, and I mean, I they could be three or just regular DS, but a lot of times, uh, like GameStop would have that uh, you know, little uh, part in the store with them, and you could find a lot of things for a dollar, two dollars. I just go through; they'd be in that disc, you know, like a like a disc envelope for two bucks, and I just go through and pick out. You know, a whole I'm gonna grab ten of them for two dollars, spend twenty bucks, get ten games, and it. You know, I'd take a chance on a lot of them because it was just fun. It's something to me, like in between the Game Boy, just that handheld. That that's really the only market I I, I think I'd say I'm a full on collector for. And, and I don't care about you know complete or this and that. I just I literally have all my Game Boy games in a uh, in a couple shoe boxes and uh in a bag. Uh, a friend of mine actually he I borrowed his Game Boy stuff years ago. Had this going to grandma's bag. Uh, <laughs> that him, he had a blue one. His sister had a pink one, and all his Game Boy stuff was in that. And I borrowed it one time. And over the years, it just it just became mine. To where I think I even offered him. I'm like, "Did I give you some money for this?" And he was like, "You know what, man?" He's like, "Just just keep it." So a lot of <laughs> I have games in shoe boxes, and I still have this going to grandma's bag. And he had some good stuff in there too, man. The Final Fantasies and um, oh, you know, yeah. just the Game Genie even. So I still just out of tribute to him, I still keep a lot of the games that go into Grandma's bag, and I just I'll, I'll dig through it. I mean, dude, I got a ton. Of, I probably have more Game Boy games than like anything else, uh, and I, I will still get them anytime I see one, you know, at a good cheap price. Yeah, I um, I've never been too much of a uh, complete in box kind of person. I, I do like to get the cases. Um, I, it depends on the game. It depends on the the, the, the console itself. Yeah. Switch but, games would be really good yeah. with the case because they are tiny, man. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I want a case for Switch games. Uh, I, I don't even know. I, there's people that – there's like things that you see online where people are like, oh, these are like your your game case, and it's just like these like weird things that you put all your Switch carts in. And I'm like, I, yeah. no, I don't want to do that. I just want an actual case on the shelf, you know. <laughs> I don't... It's better to keep them separate too, because as you know, sometimes in the past, things if something gets stolen and you got exactly. all your things together in one place, dude. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, it would. It would. We've s- all had that happen where we had all our games consolidated and lost them all at one time, and it's yeah, horrible. yeah. Because I remember when I got my uh, when I got my 3ds stolen. Uh, you know, the only game that was stolen were like a couple of eShop games that were on it, and. Uh, Street Fighter Four that was in that, was, that I had it like in the cartridge slot, but that was it. I still had all my 3DS games oh, okay. at the That's house. Good. You didn't have everything in there. Exactly, okay. exactly. So I just got the hand. So I just had to rebuy a handheld. That was it. I was good. But um, but yeah, I mean, 
<sighs> I think I think you know getting into towards the end of this uh, episode, though. I mean, th- I think the one thing I would want to talk about is definitely just you know how things have progressed with uh, with the emulation. And I'm going to segue this until into games I've been playing, you know, because emulations came a long way, and I think a lot of people now, <laughs> because retro collecting has become so expensive, a lot of people, including myself, have went towards the emulation route and. There's so many ways to enjoy the emulation, and you know, one of the things I've been really enjoying myself, and I talked about in my last episode of Play and Tell, is um, the the Nvidia Shield. Um, you know, I've been using that and been playing a lot of Sega Saturn. As a matter of fact, before we were starting this episode, I was downloading uh, Shinobi Legion. I totally forgot about sure. Shinobi Legion. Uh, some people hate that game. I love it, dude. I love that game. I, I think that one's, that one's really awesome. It kind of gets a little neglected sometimes. Yeah, I was downloading that and uh, Digital Pinball Necronomicon. I was like, I'm going to play some of that. That sounds cool. What, what was that? Was that a Saturn game? Yeah, it's a, it's a Japanese Saturn game. And what's weird oh, wow. is like the uh, the guitars from Dream Theater did the music for it. Oh, nice. So I'm definitely going to enjoy playing some of that. I mean, other than that, I've been playing, uh, you know, Ease 9, Mantra Knox, and... Uh, you know that's been a lot of fun, but I, I will mention for you guys that are listening if you if you haven't checked out my uh, check out my YouTube channel youtube.com slash genderscolian because I do have a whole series called Play and Tell where I talk about games I've been playing and kind of like just give some recommendations and and stuff like that so you guys can see more in depth on uh, those and I it's probably my favorite series I do on the show because I do a lot of editing I try to make that very like television like like you're watching a '90s era like video game show. That's what play and tell is, but uh, that's been pretty much me in a nutshell with video games. I haven't been had I haven't had a whole lot of time to play a whole lot. Been I've been downloading more ROMs and buying more games I've been playing lately. Sadly, yeah, that that happens to me with uh, movies, as I've said before. You know, I've still got in my line movies. I actually have played a few games this past time. I do want to throw out a couple of quick uh, titles, which kind of hope to do this a bit more in the future, as far as like on, on the Switch because they always have good sales. Um, and actually, I didn't realize that uh, No More Heroes three came out. Uh, yeah, yeah, yesterday. I need to get. Yeah, I need to get that. I'm probably gonna pick it up as soon as I get, because th- I got that new memory card. And sometimes before I would just put in the new one, but I really want to try to transfer over my saves. And I don't. I, I got to get it with a friend of mine and see if we can, you know, transfer over because I'd like to do that before I put in the new one. And I know it, like it won't fit. But uh, I would say there's a game called Hammer Two. I have Hammer 1. It's, it's kind of like a just old school basic. kind of reminds me of like a super old GTA. And you just go on missions and you like kill people and stuff. And uh, it's like four bucks. Like I said, Hammer might even be cheaper. But Hammer 2 is on the uh, new releases. It's on sale. Um, Ali Ali, I've mentioned in the past. Uh, I feel like skateboarding games. Well, that's those, a fun game. Those, yeah, it's, it's very addictive. I actually had it on the, um, on the uh, Vita. Uh, there's a one and two, uh, but uh, part one is on sale for just a couple bucks, and it's one of those games that, man, it'll piss you off, but damn if you don't just keep playing it, you know? So fun. And then also, it, you know, if you're into, the, you know, we got the new Metroid coming out soon, and there's a game called uh, A Robot Named Fight. Um, oh, yeah. That's it, a, it's a really good game. It, it kind of, to me, reminds me a little bit of Metroid. It's mm-hmm. got a little bit of the um, aliens infestation uh, as far as the uh, where some of your characters would die, you can go back and get their parts. Whereas this one, like I mean, you you will die and you start over. And I think you can go back and get some pieces, but it was just a, and that one was very interesting. And I'm not sure the price because I I bought it like 
a few years back, but I saw it was on sale too. Um, but I did play it. I've got a, a couple more Game Boy games, shockingly. I've got a, I, I found a Universal Monsters uh, Dracula game. It's called Dracula Crazy Vampire. Oh, weird. Actually, it, it, it's on the, uh, I think it's on uh, AVGN's, uh, like uh, one of his Halloween episodes. Um, and that was a Game Boy Color game, which actually I haven't gotten to too much, but it uh, seemed kind of cool. I'm still, you know, sometimes you play an old game and it, you get lost. And as much as we've been playing games over the years, sometimes it's like, what the, what the hell's going on? I'm like, is he, he doesn't seem to be shooting anything. Do I have a weapon? I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Then I also found another wrestling game I was missing. That was uh, ECW, Hardcore Revolution. ECW games are horrible on PlayStation, Dreamcast. It was just the Attitude and Warzone games. But I will say the uh, Game Boy Color version, not that bad. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit more enjoyable. Even has like a barbed wire match on the Game Boy. Who That's pretty thought? cool. Yeah, so I was kind of enjoying that. And then I recently also got, um, I did the Kickstarter uh, for the Shapeshifter game. Um, there's a really cool company called Green Boy Games that I believe is based in uh, South America, actually, and it's like a one-person team. And uh, he's made about five games so far. Uh, and I just happened to find this Kickstarter one time, and I, you know, jumped on it. And uh, they actually had a bundle for all his old games too, but it was just it was a bit high. I mean, like I said, it's one person job. Their boxes, instruction booklets, everything. Yeah, it's like a legit. Like it looks it's not like it super was cheap. Yeah, and, and the packaging it looks like it was it was released in like the 90s yeah like it's and, uh, nice even, i was trying to get the plastic case because when they shipped it it was sitting on my table for a couple of days i, I did and i saw an email where he's like yeah most of the games have been shipped and i was like oh i'm like that because it had a california return address so i guess maybe like he ships them plays in california ships them out something so i had to get this plastic case off i was actually playing it right before the show oh man dude it's like you just you open the box there's the plastic tray. There's an instruction booklet. There's a uh, like like a little manual to, to like help you out if you get stuck. Um, there's two ways you can play. There's also a, like this little I call it a key, but it's like a circle disc. It's got a thing you kind of spin and it has like numbers. And I'm honestly not really sure what it does. It's somehow connected to one version of the, of the game. And then it had like a little coin in there. And then like just to open up this you know, little Game Boy box, you know, and uh, I, I, I give them credit. They were very upfront. Anytime there was a delay, they let you know. They're like, hey, I'm, it's like this got messed up. I contacted this other company. Like, I'm going to have these by this date. Very upfront with that. That's everything. awesome. I would totally support them, you know, again. I know you even mentioned something about Shapeshifter, too. And I was like, I didn't even hear about this yet. I didn't yeah, it was. The Kickstarter. <laughs> I got the freaking email like a couple of days after you showed me uh, Shapeshifter on, on the phone. I was like, well, shit, I just got an email about Shapeshifter 2. Yeah, and I will say, they do describe it as like a point-and-click, but it's not It's not really, it has point-and-click functions. There's also side-scrolling functions, just walking around and like, a, like I, said, I got to play a few minutes, my SP was dying, um, and like I said, it's an old Game Boy game, but playing it on my SP, I mean, I thought the, the colors on it were, were really good. Um you know, using it on there, and like I said, I was just, I didn't get to change into any animals, because it's the whole, like, spirit of the game, is, like, you uh, get the abilities of animals, um, 
So I'm sure I'll talk about it more next episode. But uh, I, I thought it was really cool because, like, when I got it, I was kind of like, I was like, I hope this doesn't just flat out suck. I was like, that that just, <laughs> you know, that'd be bad. But as soon as I started playing, I'm like, oh, dude, I'm like, this is okay. I'm like, this is great. But I, I, I'd like to look into some of their other games. Uh, like I say, it's got about five out. Some are really simple. This seems to be his most complicated one. But, uh, like, 10 out of 10, dude, I, I would support them again. Um, like I said, it was a, just a, a great company packaging, it, you know, it's everything awesome. And then, uh, also on the final couple ones, I, uh, been playing dodgeball academia. On oh yeah. I heard Xbox. that was really good. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's like a humble game and, uh, it's, uh, it's free on game pass. And it's like, if you like, you know, old NES dodgeball, it's like that, but just, hyped up it's almost like slight rpg elements leveling up you know you find team members certain items do certain things it's actually a lot of strategy to it because uh i've had to you know battle against like three teams in a row you can't really use health items on the matches so you have to use your equipment that'll give you extra health you know switch out your characters if you knock out someone on the other team they'll end up behind you and these matches are not, it's not like one ball. There's like four balls on the damn court. So you've got the opponents throwing them at you. you got their teammates that are now behind you throwing them at you. And it's just, man, it's, just, it's like it gets really insane. But, you know, it's just it's this whole, uh, I reckon it, it's almost the, a uh, little bit less RPG-ish, but I kind of throw it up there with like Golf Story. That's um, what I was thinking when you were talking about, like, this sounds almost like Dodgeball Golf Story. Yeah, I would dig. Yeah, it is like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd throw it up on there because it like dodgeball is a little bit more interactive than golf games. But, um, man, I just I, I've had a blast. I said the first day I played it, I played it for like three hours, which is a long time for me. And then, uh, another actually, speaking of golf, there's another game on Game Pass called uh, it's like golf with your friends, and uh, it's a, it's a miniature golf game. And uh, man, there's lots of stages. There's like a haunted house. There's fucking Candyland. I was like, I, I got I used to like Candyland as a kid. Oh, the Candyland stage! Whoa. <laughs> there's a uh, even a couple related to games like the uh, the Escapists, and there's a Worms level also. Oh, cool! Um, but it's it's 18 uh, you know holes on each course, and there's over 10. And I mean, some of these ones I don't understand, like like like, like the par thing of like par four, and I'm like I'm on like 18 you know like i'm trying like the the hole will be way off like sometimes you gotta hit it up a wall or you just gotta fucking you gotta like drive that ball way across the room to end up in the right spot uh but they have a cool like explore level you know to where it's, there's no timer or anything like that lots of customization even with you know like your ball you want a different colored ball like you know pop pot cool. all the different ones uh really had a good time i, I went through the haunted house level and uh, I went, I, I did some of the Candyland, like Undersea. And there's even different, uh, of course, you can play online. And there's even some different functions. Like uh, there's a, a dunk one where you actually, the, your golf ball can jump sometimes. And you have to like jump it up into a basketball hoop, um, it, which was weird. And, and, and like I said, you, you'll you do real good. And you'll have a lot of fun. And some stages you're going to be like, I, I can't even find the damn hole. You got to use the camera to like, zip around and find it and it just it's but it's real fun like i said anybody just likes a fun golf especially miniature golf style game it's not like hot shots is more like real golf in a sense but this is straight up like miniature golf bounce it off this shoot it up a wall it's it's pretty crazy um 
So that one's been great. And then um, been, I went to a wrestling show actually a couple of weeks ago in Charlotte. My first time going out of town since, you know, the whole pandemic stuff started. And uh, that was fun. Also, not used to being around that many people in one place. Uh, luckily, <laughs> our seats, we had three seats in this top corner, and we were kind of blocked off from everybody else. There's nobody in front of us, uh, and it, that was really cool. But when you left, it was like, oh, my God, I'm like, there's so many. I was just trying to go to the bathroom, and there's all these people in my way. And then I just I, I texted my friend. I was like, I'm outside somewhere. I had to leave. I got out. So, you know. Did that. Then we had SummerSlam last week. Really looking forward to today. A couple big NWA wrestling events. And there's an AEW pay-per-view next weekend. Lots of wrestling and just all kinds of fun stuff going on. Nice, nice. And and again, guys, if you enjoyed this uh, episode, be sure to check us out and leave us a review on some of your favorite uh, podcast platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and soon... Uh, Amazon Music because I actually got contacted by Amazon. They're wanting to get the podcast on that platform too. So, uh, and if you want to listen to our archived episodes, you can check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com/slash Xander Scullion. But uh, yeah, I think this concludes another episode of Excess Gaming Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys have a great rest of the week, and as always, happy gaming. Have a pleasant evening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>